All right. Hope your Wednesday is going along well. Welcome in. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios on this Wednesday right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We have a busy show today, man. There is a lot of stuff going on. We're going to talk recruiting. Josh Pate was talking about uh, Oklahoma on Late Kick. We're going to play uh, some sound back uh, from the very latest episode of Late Kick, talking about Oklahoma and what's ahead for this fall for the Sooners. We've got the uh, Thunder in action tonight, taking on the New Orleans Pelicans, 8.30 tonight on ESPN. Oklahoma City wins. They would go play the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves at 8.30 again uh, coming up on Friday night if they get it done tonight against the Pelicans, who will be without, of course, Zion Williamson. Um, and others, but we'll uh, talk about that with Brandon Rebar coming up at 135. Just a lot of ground to cover today. Sooner softball, Jordy Ball was unbelievable last night. Yes, the Sooner bats were silenced uh, certainly since the uh, third inning last night. Uh, Oklahoma didn't really get anything done. 15 consecutive hitters retired, but a two-run homer for Elisa Brito. And again, Oklahoma beats LSU 3 to nothing last night in Baton Rouge, and the Sooners are now 37-1. and They have won 29 games in a row. OU Baseball won over Wichita State 8-1 to in the NBA play-in games last night. How about the Hawks over the Heat? Trey Young and the Hawks advanced to play Boston in the uh, regular playoff round with that victory last night. And the Lakers in Minnesota. What an ugly game that was. I mean, that was ugly. 19 to 12. The Lakers outscored Minnesota in the fourth quarter, 10 to 4 in overtime. They advanced. The Lakers uh, move on uh, in the playoffs to get it done. Minnesota again will play uh, the winner of the Thunder Pelicans matchup coming up on Friday. All right, 405-651-3439 is our text line. And, again, our first hour brought to you by Tim Lasher, his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They will do great work for you. Tim did great work for you kicking those big field goals. Bedlam, Lincoln, Nebraska, he was always a guy you could count on. So is his company, 405-579-3113. Well, Parker, we got the official word last night, Peyton Pierce to Ohio State. Let's hear what Peyton Pierce had to say about his decision. It's it's felt great to you know finally get it over with and it's a it was a long long journey but we're here now and so I'm I'm super glad and thankful for it and it, it feels really good now I can go focus on my teammates and focus on spring ball and what's really important and I knew when I was there that was where I wanted to go but I was gonna I was gonna go check out all these other schools just to double check and you know make sure that that's what I wanted to do and it's my I thought my timeline was gonna go all the way into the summer and I I just I started sitting down and realizing like what am I doing this is how why would I why would I waste all this time when I know this is where I want to go there you go Peyton Pierce the four-star linebacker out of Lovejoy High School in Lucas Texas made it official again his commitment to Ohio State based on the way he sounded in the uh, conversations it sounds like he's pretty locked in on the Buckeyes right now obviously yeah. a commitment means that but sometimes you can look at a commitment and say, yeah, you know what? He's committed, but I I don't know. How you feeling when you hear what Peyton Pierce has to say about Ohio State right now? Certainly sounds like James Laurinaitis is Brent Venables' kryptonite. Yeah, as maybe. As far as the Peyton Pierce recruitment goes. Because, man, it seemed like a shoe-in for the longest time. Peyton Pierce was going to go to Oklahoma. He was going to play for Brent Venables. OU was his dream school. Brent Venables was his dream coach. And, well... Here comes James Laurinaitis, and for him to be willing to shut it down after one campus visit to Ohio State, Steely, 
that speaks to how quickly the Ohio State staff, and especially Laurinaitis, with whom he had a pre-existing relationship at Notre Dame, was able to sell him on the fit in Columbus and make him feel at home. Yeah, and uh, again, Oklahoma felt like uh, you know they were they were the leader. They they would have a great chance to uh, to get this kid, but it just didn't happen. It obviously uh, turned once he took that visit to Columbus, and uh, right now, again, as we know, he is uh, looking pretty solidly committed to the Buckeyes right now. Pierce did say as well, man, making those phone calls, including one to Oklahoma, was pretty difficult. Really calling these coaches because. Ohio State was a little later than these, so I haven't like than some of these schools, so I haven't had the longest relationship with them. But some of these guys, I mean, I've been talking to them since you know I was in beginning of sophomore year, and yeah. they've they've been so so good to me and stuff. And there's, I think, what was really hard is I just called them out of the blue. Like I had I had coaches, like I had visits scheduled. Like I had to just call these guys and tell them I'm not not coming there when I had a visit scheduled two weeks later. And so it was, it was super hard cause I am, I want to be a pleaser and I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't, that's, it's just hard. It's hard, hard for, hard for me to sit down and be selfish and say, Hey, this is, um, this is what I want to do. There you go. The words of Peyton Pierce last night after his commitment to the Ohio state university. And uh, really the only sounder we can play, I think is this right now. How surprised do you think the OU coaches and especially Brent Venables were uh, when they got that phone call from Peyton Pierce? How surprised were they? Yes. I mean, I mean, the news got around, but I, I'm pretty sure that they woke up yesterday not thinking that, you know what, we're going to get a call from Peyton <laughs> Pierce today and he's going to turn us down and go to Ohio State. Yeah. Well, man, it's it's a tough thing to swallow. It's a tough break, but this is recruiting, and I know some people get tired of hearing that, but it giveth, it taketh away. It will give, but as of right now, it taketh away for Oklahoma. And Peyton Pierce was a guy that outside of Eli Bowen, you would have regarded him as one of the real stone-cold locks, maybe the stone-cold lock of the 2024 class. And now here he is going to Ohio State. So, again, I would figure oh, you will keep the lines of communication open just in case anything were to change down the line. But Peyton is a kid that, you know, once he makes up his mind about something, his mind is typically not very easily changed, and he was very intentional about the recruiting process, uh, very deliberate in how he went about his business, him and his family both. And so it is hard to imagine that this decision could be reversed. But as I said yesterday, if he does flip somewhere down the line, that's not to say it does happen, but if he does flip, it'll be for Oklahoma. Yeah, you did say that yesterday, and we'll see. We'll see if that commitment holds uh, based on what he said again. And you don't expect him to say anything wishy-washy, you wouldn't think, uh, after just making that commitment. But he sounded like he was pretty solid, obviously, in Ohio State last night. So the question becomes now, and I know you've said you, you think the Sooners going to take two linebackers in this class where does Oklahoma go from here? Where do you think the Sooners are looking right now, uh, you know, as they pivot and try and make a move towards putting more attention on some other prospects? Yeah, a guy that I would get familiar with would be Jordan Lockhart out of St. John Bosco in California, as well as his teammate, Kamori House, both four-star linebackers. Bosco is arguably the high school football powerhouse in the entire country. 
So, I mean, I I watched them play Allen last year down in Texas. I watched them go up against Michael Hawkins and the Allen Eagles. Just to give you some context as to how loaded St. John Bosco was at that point, Steely, their third-string quarterback already had Power 5 offers. That's crazy. That is crazy. So, uh, is Mule Shewitt on this uh, this kid, the Lockhart kid? Uh, yes. Yes, I believe they have offered Lockhart. He's not really looking at USC. Though. Good, good. Don't look that direction. Yeah. Ty Anthony Smith out of Jasper, Texas. That's another guy to get familiar with. And I wonder if, I wonder if OU starts to renew their push at Drew Woodass out of Tampa, Florida. Three-star linebacker. Brother of former, well, I guess current, former Clemson signee, current Clemson linebacker Wade Woodass, who was the last Clemson commit ever under Brent Venables back in November of 2021, less than two weeks before he took the Oklahoma job. So Drew's been up to Oklahoma several times. That's an OU Clemson battle right now. Obviously, with his brother at Clemson, I think you'd kind of give them the edge. But uh, Oklahoma, with Pierce no longer on the board and with Sammy Brown still kind of trending towards Clemson, I would anticipate that Oklahoma begins to reevaluate their linebacker board and really put the uh, put the full court press on a couple of these guys that maybe they weren't pressing as hard for three, four weeks ago when it wasn't immediately apparent that they didn't lead for Peyton Pierce. And there was uh, that sense of optimism regarding Sammy Brown that hasn't necessarily diminished, but you know, dealing with a situation where kids got ties to both Clemson and Georgia and he's in both of those programs' backyards, that's not really one that you can count on. It's not really one that you can feel overly confident about. Yeah, and you're taking a big swing there. Maybe maybe you'll connect. Who knows? But it's going to be very interesting to see where Oklahoma goes to now. Now, in terms of, before we get to our first break of the day, how would you compare this uh, Peyton Pierce situation? Again, he hasn't signed yet. It's only a commitment. But in terms of a loss, if it does happen for Oklahoma, and he indeed signs with Ohio State, when uh, signing day rolls around, who would you compare this to from, like, last year's class? Would it be Colton Vosick? Would it be Tassili Akana? Would it be somebody, you know, that was a, a, a pretty high-ranked four-star kind of guy? I. In a lot of ways, there seem to be parallels to the Colton Vosick situation. There do, because th- think back to the situation with Vosick, right? He's a Texas legacy. He grew up in Austin. Everybody in his family went to Texas. He was a Texas fan. Family held season tickets, had the Texas offer. And then what happens? Well, he shows up to Oklahoma for a visit falls in love with Miguel Chavis, and decides, you know what? I want to shut it down. I want to commit to Oklahoma. Now, think about Peyton Pierce. Plenty of ties to Oklahoma. Mom went there. Brother went there. Grandparents, great-grandparents all went there. Dad played at Tulsa. Grew up a Sooner fan. Grew up wearing crimson on the south end of the Cotton Bowl for OU Texas every year. And he goes up to Ohio State, falls in love with James Laurinaitis, and decides, you know what? I want to shut it down. Yeah. So again, interesting point. It, I, I'm generally not in favor of reading the tea leaves in that particular vein. But I, I that's kind of why I say, if he were to flip down the line, it'll be for Oklahoma. And I do not think Brent Venables and the staff are just going to sever those ties. 
They'll keep the lines of communication open with Peyton Pierce. The question is, is Pierce going to be receptive? All right, 405-651-3439. That is our text line. We are here in the Buffalo Wild Wing studio on a Wednesday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, just getting warmed up, folks. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Brandon Rabar will talk uh, Thunder basketball with us coming up at 135. Brandon will join us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. It's great to have you with us when we get back. Josh paid late kick. Josh talking Sooners in the fall. What does he expect and what does he think about Oklahoma? What shape? The Sooners are in heading to the SEC. We'll uh, we'll talk about that and hear from Josh Pate when we get back. All right, we are right here on your Wednesday here in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios. I'm Mike Steely along with Parker Thune, 405-651-3439. You want to text us? That number is always available to you. Hope your Wednesday is really good so far. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We have the Thunder in New Orleans tonight in the uh, play-in tournament, 8.30 on ESPN. Uh, Sooner women win in Baton Rouge last night behind Jordy Ball's great performance. Uh, 13 Ks and uh, three hits surrendered. OU pitching has been unbelievable. 30 and two-thirds scoreless inning streak going on right now. Yes, LSU silenced the bats uh, last night, certainly after the uh, third inning, but the Sooner women win again. They've uh, pushed their win streak to 29. They are 37-1 on the season. OU baseball wins 8-1 to over Wichita State, and uh, we have a lot to talk about today. All right, uh, you're a big uh, Josh Pate fan, aren't you, Parker Thune? How can you not be? Josh is really good, man. He's one of the best uh, out there, and his uh, late kick is always really good. The guy knows his stuff. He's always got great topics and great angles. And uh, in his latest edition, he was talking about the Oklahoma Sooners. Let's see what Josh had to say. Talking about right now where OU will fit what the fit will look like for OU moving to the SEC. Well, they got to enter somewhere. They got to walk in the door somewhere. Is OU the third best program in the SEC when they get here? Are they the ninth best program, which is a lot more in line with where they would have been last year? I don't know, but I will say you need a whole lot better foundation than they showed last year. You don't want to have wobbly legs walking into the SEC. Uh, recruiting also is, is something that's very much in play here. Obviously, you got to recruit to win anywhere, and you got to recruit to win in the SEC. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, with recruiting in Oklahoma, think about who you are right now. You're not Lincoln Riley. You're not Bob Stoops later on into his tenure there where you're proven. You are still Brent Venables and Brent Venables' staff, and it's Brent Venables' Oklahoma, and they're not proven. That's not a bad thing. He can't make time speed up any faster than it goes. We've seen new coaches walk in before. Marcus Freeman's doing this at Notre Dame right now. Kirby Smart did it at Georgia for a while. You've got to sell vision and hope for a little while because you simply don't have a resume and a track record of your own as a head coach. And they're, they're getting by fine on that right now. So I'm not telling you Oklahoma recruiting's in any trouble. In fact, Oklahoma recruiting's kind of on fire. And they've done very well in the portal. So they're fine there now. But if they were to have another disastrous season, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out, ooh, that goodwill, that, that vision that people are willing to buy from you, all of a sudden it starts to rapidly evaporate because you don't have anything to fall back on. Yeah, one year when you're six and seven and you have the number four recruiting class in the country, that's pretty good. But Brent is selling a vision. He's building his foundation. He's selling culture. They are participating in NIL, but they're not participating at the level of a Miami or a, or a Texas A&M. 
he is trying to build a new culture and a stronger foundation that will not just get them to the playoff, but to win a national championship. And it's crazy that Oklahoma hasn't won a national championship in 23 years. So what did you think of Josh's take right there? No, I think it makes a lot of sense. And that's why this season is so pivotal for Oklahoma. And it's honestly kind of nice for that very reason that Oklahoma's kind of got a cream puff of a schedule, Steely. They're going to get some cheap wins along the way. They're going to get wins that they don't have to really try for. And they're going to be improved in terms of record, in terms of the win-loss column. And I think that is going to continue to shape the positive perception of the direction of the program under Brent Venables. And they don't necessarily have to be a Big 12 championship team or a college football playoff team this year for people to start seeing that vision and having some belief in what Venables is building. I think you just have to be better than six and seven. You just have to take that next step. A lot of people think it's going to be a disappointment if Oklahoma doesn't win the Big 12 this year. What's and, bottom line for OU, in your opinion? Nine, nine wins. Nine, nine and three. Wins. I was got to win nine, nine and three. Uh, Looking at that the, schedule, you have got to win nine games. Yes, and I think, you know, there's a very good chance if this program takes the next step, you should have a chance to run the table with this schedule. Now, do I think they will? No, based on what I saw last year. But nine and three should be the bottom of the barrel, I think, with the schedule for Oklahoma. This was Josh Pay talking about what we're talking about right now, the importance – of year two right now for Brent Venables. Brent Venables, year two, is going to prove a lot of people right or a lot of people wrong. I am, I am in the camp that still believes, hey, Brent Venables will get things figured out. Uh, there are some other folks out there, and some of them I respect, who wholeheartedly disagree with that. There are some folks out there who think Venables is in 10 feet over his head, and um, this year will serve to solidify the negative opinions that people built of him last year. That's the camp I'm not in. I don't know which camp's going to be proven right. Obviously, I'm in the camp I'm in because I think I'll be right. I think Oklahoma will win, you know, eight games minimum this year and maybe more, so I think it'll be a moot point. But if it's not, if I'm wrong, if they're right back there struggling to make a bowl game again, even though it's only two years in and I wouldn't be banging the hot seat drum necessarily, yes, you will have some people Proven right one way or the other. I think the worst thing would be if they win seven games and they lose another four of them by one possession because then really really no one's proven right. Classic bounce of ball thing where one little bounce here or there would have been the difference in a double-digit win season and not making a bowl game. All right, good stuff from Josh Pate there from Late Kick. Uh, those are our Ortho Central clips of the day, brought to you by our friends at Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a new Tri-City location serving, of course, Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic, orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. So uh, the bottom line is this. We know that Brent Vittables was a great coordinator. And I know it didn't end well for him the first time around at Oklahoma. The defense started to slip. But once he went to Clemson, Brent was regarded as the best D.C. in college football. We don't know what Brent is as a head coach yet. Six and seven doesn't look very good at Oklahoma. It's embarrassing. But I do believe I like what he's selling. I think it's the right approach. I think it's what Oklahoma needs moving on to the SEC. You've got to be more physical. You've got to be more culture-oriented. And, yes, that's more difficult than it's ever been in this area of the era of the portal and NIL. But I like what he's selling. Um, it's something that Caden McFarland talked about with us, and I agree with him. The game day 
operation and the game day coaching needs to be more efficient, getting calls in, all of that stuff. You know, it's totally different for Brent than it was being a D.C. And he was heavily involved, obviously, with with Dabo uh, at Clemson, uh, with everything. But at the same time, he's the guy now. He's the CEO. You've got to see that improve as well. So, um, like I said, Brent Vittables, resume, set it in stone, great coordinator, one of the best defensive coordinators we've seen in college football. But a bunch of question marks right now, Parker Thune, about whether or not he can make that next step and be a great head coach. We don't even know if he could be a good one yet. And <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> you're right, Steely. I mean, I mean in technicality, you're right. Six and seven a lot is of people good. listening do not like to hear those words coming out of your mouth. No, but. I know, but I think a lot of people, that's the reality. Look, I, despite everything that happened with Caleb Williams moving on and the turnover of the roster and everything, you should still never be six and seven in Oklahoma. And I do believe they're moving in the right direction. But we got to see it now. I think there are a lot of people out there in that camp that, you know, they love the talk. All of it sounds great. Brent's very passionate, smart guy, totally committed. You get the feeling that he would never pull a mule shoe. He understands what he has at Oklahoma. But you've got to win games. And you can't uh, – and this year I think they will win more. But like I said, I think 9-3 and three should be the floor for this team. So – We'll see. What do you guys think? 405-651-3439 is our text line. 405-651-3439. Let's get a couple texts in before we break. Sooner Soldier says it takes longer to build something the right way that will be successful long term. I agree. And I think he's building it the right way. I really do. But still, the bottom line is you got to go out and win the games. And uh, I think Oklahoma will start doing uh, a lot more of that starting this season. EJ from Louisiana says, no knock on OU, but it seems like other schools have more proven results on the field than us right now. And that is true. Yeah, and Ohio State's one of them, yeah, no doubt. Look, you're recruiting really well right now at Oklahoma, as Josh mentioned in the soundbite that we played, but you're going to be able to recruit on a truly elite level once those wins start coming. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the difference right now. That's for Oklahoma taking the jump from being – a top five class every year to be in contention, legitimate contention for the number one class every single year. If you get to that point within the next five years, I would say, then you're going to be playing for national championships on an annual basis. And it's going to be easier to do in the era of the 12 team playoff. It's going to be an easier thing to do. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you can argue this is one of the most important seasons coming up this fall in OU football history. Because it is a whole new world after this season. I mean, you are going into Thunderdome, right? And look, you're, you're not going to have a heavyweight bout every week in the SEC, but you're going to have a lot more than you've had in the Big 12. So you've got to get this right and get the ship turning in the right direction. I do think they will do that this year. Like I said, I think they need to go win at least nine. Why don't we take a quick break? And then uh, what we'll do is we'll head to the uh, text line. We'll also hear from uh, Josh Giddy and SGA talking about the playoff matchup with New Orleans. But we want to hear from you when we get back on the ref.
Basketball that really means something tonight for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I know those games down the stretch got them into the play and The Mavs, of course, waved the white flag last week. But Oklahoma City, you know what the Thunder did this season? They exceeded their Vegas win total by 16 and a half games. So it's great to see Oklahoma City basketball relevant again. The Thunder moving in the right direction. Won't be uh, too long with Chet Holmgren next year that the uh, Thunder could be very much back in the championship hunt. Tonight, they try and take down the New Orleans Pelicans. At the Smoothie Center, 8.30 tonight on ESPN. The Thunder would have to win two to get into the regular playoff round. And if they win tonight, they would play at Minnesota again, 8.30 Friday on ESPN. If they won that one, then they would be in the regular playoffs. But let's hear from SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, talking about uh, this team. And he thinks they're ready to go tonight. We know what position we're in. Um, We're aware of everything. We prepared. Um, not just about going out there, playing basketball, playing the game you love, and, and trying to execute. I think every every team in every game, especially when you play against really good basketball teams, um, they test those things, and I think that's why coaches have been honing on it all season. When games like this come and they really matter and both teams really want to win, it's the teams with the good habits that, that pull through um, and get off it early, cut, um, move the ball, play together defensively, all the little things that – that every team tries to accomplish every night, it, at this point it's too late to try to teach it. It's either a habit or not. And I think that's why we've been harping on it all season long. All right, SGA, Josh Giddy and company ready to go in New Orleans tonight against the Pelicans at 830. Zion will not play, bad hamstring. Might be back for the regular playoffs if uh, New Orleans is able to get there, but you still have to worry about Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas. So this will be uh, an interesting matchup tonight for OKC. We'll talk to Brandon uh, Rabar about it again at 135 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. In the meantime, let's get to your texts, 405-651-3439. That's 405 405- Six five one thirty four thirty nine. From the four hundred five, still so hammered on the BV Kool Aid. It'll take two more lousy seasons to sober me up. I'm totally invested in his vision of character based culture. Two twelve. There you go. Well, like I said, I like what he's selling. I like the message. I like the guy. I love his passion. Um, but you know, all that's great. But you've got to go out and win a bunch of football games at Oklahoma. Bottom line, everybody everybody knows that. Uh, and I think this year they'll start moving in that direction. I really do. Like I said, I think with this schedule that Oklahoma has, you better win nine games and more than that if you really play well. Elsewhere on the text line, by golly, this text is from the 580. 12-0 or 11-1 is the bottom line this year. We're going to be so much better. The only question is, are the Big 12 officials going to be better? Are you a believer in the Big 12 officials' conspiracy against OU in Texas? I mean, uh, some of those numbers were very intriguing last year. Yeah, they were, and they are. It's just, I don't know. The one thing that stands out to me is the catastrophically egregious missed pass interference call on Trayvon West in the end zone in Muleshoe's final game as OU head coach. That was the only play I look at and say, oh, it felt like OU kind of got jobbed there. The rest, I I honestly don't pay a whole lot of attention to the penalty numbers just because I feel like if if something as simple, if something as small as a missed holding penalty, if you're going to hold that up and say that's the reason OU lost seven football games last year, you're missing the forest for the trees. 
There are so many other reasons why Oklahoma did not have a winning record last year. There are so many reasons, so many other reasons, better reasons why Oklahoma went 0-5 in one-possession games last year. So Yeah, they kept beating themselves all the time and, yeah, you know and what, not is, playing that complimentary football that Brandon's been talking about. Is it a weird imbalance as far as the penalties go? Sure, but I am not one that is going to sit back and claim, yep, uh, the Big 12 officiating conspiracy, that's the reason OU sucked in 2022. Uh, they were six and seven because they were an average football team. Exactly. That's it. All right. 405-651-3439 is the number. Elsewhere in the 580. Got to stay healthy. If QB stays healthy, the nine wins is a disappointment. Ten plus wins if we avoid the injury bug. I, I concur. I think that's on the money. I, I, do you think, let, let me ask you this. I, I want to be careful how I phrase this question though. Do you think there is a substantial drop-off in the level of play offensively for Oklahoma if Dylan Gabriel misses time and it's Jackson Arnold at the controls? Um, Obviously, man, it's is... not going to be nearly as bad as it was last no, season. No, no. Ca- Captain Obvious I mean, if, the there, injury, if an injury Jackson... happened early, I mean, luckily you've got a non-conference schedule that's, you know, uh, they should be able to go take care of. But if it happens relatively early, you know, if, if it happens later in the season and Jackson Arnold is more seasoned, then I'm not sure there will be much of a drop-off, to be honest with you, based on what we're hearing about Jackson Arnold. But, um, you know, we'll see. They're just This should be a turnaround season for Oklahoma, bottom line. I mean, that schedule's right there, tailor-made for you to get some momentum going to the SEC. And Parker, as you said, if they can go out there and perhaps go like eleven and one during the regular season, think about what the recruiting class could be. Uh-huh. You know, and I know there's some early losses that they suffered. Uh, Aaron Flowers and um, and obviously Peyton Pierce in the last week. But uh, when you play as bad a football as they did at times last year, and you still put together the number four class in the country, just think what you can do if you start playing elite football again. From the five one two, Parker hasn't Brett turned over fifty percent of the roster in his short time here? Greater than fifty percent, actually. Hasn't even been a year and a half, and he's already reshaping the whole team. He shouldn't be judged until he gets his guys. This year should really be considered his first, because to be thrown into the fire last season after what Mule Shoe did to the team wasn't really fair to him, and to think anyone else could have done much better with that roster is fooling themselves. It was a makeshift mm-hmm. roster last year. It was, but you should have been better than six and seven. And again, five one two says, and another one that follows. Again, anyone thinking that any coach could have done better uh, is fooling themselves. Or he said much better, but they should have been eight and five or so. You know, the Baylor game. You look at that as a one loss, one possession game. But Baylor was pushing them around late on that last drive. So yeah. I kind of that There's- one I push aside. The other ones. You need to you need to go win the West Virginia game. You need to win the Tech game. Exactly. Those were the two I was going to point to as well and say, okay, those those are games that OU needs to win. Those are games for which there is no excuse for losing, especially when you look at how they lost that game, i.e. allowing West Virginia to sustain a drive at during which they faced a 4th and 15 to tie the game and then letting them bleed the yeah. final six and a half mm-hmm. minutes off the clock to kick, kick a chip shot field goal. And they were what? They were up 18 on Tech in Lubbock at one point and managed to choke that one away. So there were some games over the course of that season that Oklahoma realistically should have won and in which they beat themselves. 
Johnny from UConn says 10 wins is the floor. Texas is the only game that's a toss-up. Easily 10 wins. I, I actually love this question. Somewhat off topic. EJ from Louisiana wants to know, Hey, Mike, how would the text line differ from the Barry Switzer days to now? Oh, wow. Good question, EJ. Uh, see, there are people in Louisiana who are very, very bright and come up with good questions. Uh, obviously not an LSU fan because, again, they're the worst. But, EJ, here's the deal. Um, you know, early on, Coach Switzer uh, would have been nothing but praise. Obviously, that 73 team, you know, that couldn't compete for a championship because of probation uh, may have been his most talented team. And then they went back-to-back titles in 74-75. Now, if you move ahead to, like, 81, 82, 83, and that there were some people that were saying, man, maybe time for Barry to go. You know, this isn't good enough. And then that class came in with all those great players. 84, they start to turn it around. 85, they win the national championship. The text line would have been very interesting during the uh, Charles Thompson and the Orange Jumpsuit SI days. The phone calls certainly were. But uh, and then when Switzer, when David Swank uh, ran off Switzer, it would have been very interesting. So I, I think there is a little less civility uh, because of social media and just the way our culture is now. So it, it wouldn't have been good for like a, a, a short period. And then when when the controversy erupted and when, you know, when Barry eventually left. But there's a lack of civility out there now that we didn't have then. Well, I mean, we had a few crazies then, but now you get a lot of crazies. Final text from the 405. There's only one reason the season went the way it went last year. That sorry coach out in Southern California turning the Oklahoma program into a program that likes to have pillow fights. How was it that Brent termed it? I'm trying to remember, Parker. You can help me out. Uh, it was something along, there's a lot of scar tissue Yeah, they here. were scarred. Yeah, they've been scarred. And a lot of those guys that were high, pretty highly recruited coming to Oklahoma didn't end up playing very good defense. The, the, the unit uh, and, you know, the coaching played into that. And clearly the philosophy was, man, we're going to outscore people. We've got a great offense with a really good play caller. We've got great quarterback play. Yeah, we can play some defense. Let's make sure we play a little bit of that. But we're going to outscore people. And, and, and that is not how, you know, you, uh, you won a national championship. And it's all – I'm about to get on my analytics soapbox again. Because the nature of analytics is taking very fundamental observations about the game. Well, it includes taking very fundamental observations about the game and making them appear novel, right? Analytics would tell you, well, if you score on every single drive, there's no way you can lose, mm-hmm. right? Issue is you can't score on every single drive. It's virtually impossible. So – you have to be able to play defense. You have to be able to play consistent defense. You have to have depth defensively to be able to rotate your starters out of the game and get them a breath of fresh air when they need one. Offensive football is sexy. right? You put up those jaw-dropping numbers. Think back to Joe Burrow and LSU in 2019. right? That's really the fly in the ointments of the narrative that defense wins championships over the last quarter century. But their that defense was, was still three times better than OU. <laughs> exactly. Everybody talks about that offense that LSU has. What nobody talks about is the fact that they had a crap ton of defensive talent, too, mm-hmm. at all yep. three levels. Yep. You do not win championships with just an offensive juggernaut. Those teams have a ceiling. OU found that out the hard way. USC last year found that out the hard way. And Muleshoe himself is going to continue to find that out the hard way until he squares with reality. 
and that hasn't happened yet. Let's hope he doesn't square with reality because I don't think I could handle an SC National Championship. In fact, I know I couldn't. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 405-651-3439. We'll return to your text. We're going to hear from Patty Gasso and the Sooner women winning in Baton Rouge last night, 3-zip over LSU. We have Brandon Rabar, our Thunder Insider, joining us at 135. More recruiting news, more Sooner football, spring football audio. We got a ton ahead here on this Wednesday. Happy you're with us. You guys, you know, you're our friends, right? 99.9% of you. So stay with us. We're coming right back. The shows are coming back. The shows are coming back to the Showplace Theater at Riverwind Casino. We have waited over three years. That stupid pandemic thing. Shut everything down, but guess what's back? Shows at the Showplace Theater. Earth, Wind, and Fire, June 23rd. Collective Soul, July 21st. Josh Turner, July 28th. Comedian Gabriel Iglesias, July 29th. In August, we have uh, Dwight Yoakam, scheduled August 19th. Counting Crows, August 25th. In September, REO Speedwagon, September 8th. Chicago, September 15th. And uh, that's in addition to what's happening again May 27th, when we kick off another season of Beats and Bites, the outdoor concert series at Riverwind, also presented by Coop Ale Works. May 27th, 38 special and Blue Oyster Cult. June 10th, the Gin Blossoms and Tonic. July 8th, Mark Chestnut, Shenandoah and Tracy Bird. August 26th, Gary Allen. Tickets are available for all of these shows. Remember, the Beats and Bites shows are only 5 bucks a piece. Outdoors, bring your folding chairs, bring the kids. It's a kid-friendly environment. All the best local food trucks out there. And, of course, the amazing shows that they have already set for the Showplace Theater are going to be really, really cool. It'll be so good to get back in there again. It's such a great concert venue. Uh, if you haven't seen one out there, uh, a concert out there, you're missing out. So you can get tickets for all those shows I mentioned, uh, starting with Earth, Wind, and Fire June 23rd at the Riverwind Box Office right outside the Showplace Theater or online at riverwind.com. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. You know who else is the best? OU Women's Softball. Winning at LSU last night 3 to nothing, despite the, uh, the leaf blower in the background, Patty Gasso was very, very pleased with the pitching effort of one Jordy Ball last night. Yeah, Jordy was outstanding. We definitely needed some big-time help on the mound, and our defense was on point. Offense um, sputtered a bit, and it's been happening for the last couple weeks, but that's not unlike different parts of the season when you run into that. So this team's going to have to work hard. We're planning to work hard, get out of this, and get back on track. Goodness gracious, you weren't lying about the leaf. Holy cow. Why does that happen? I don't understand. Well, it reminds you of the Go Raiders. Oh, a little bit, yes. But uh, poor J.D. Runnels had to deal with that. J.D. kept his composure, though, and answered every question. But uh, I don't understand how some of these universities don't understand how audio works. Now, you're playing a road game, and the LSU people, again, are – I'm sure the kids are fine, and the coach seems really cool and everything, but the fans are horrible people. And probably that leaf blower was a horrible person, a Louisiana person. You know, I'm just guessing. But – uh, like when they have post game, like oh, you post game on the road or whatever. And sometimes, you know, I'm sure the other school says, "Here's where you're gonna do your post game," but they'll have it by like a big air conditioning unit or something. I'm like, do you not understand that a microphone amplifies sound? 
or you do a press conference and they put a mic instead of having like a stand on the mic where it's right up next to the coach or one of the players, they'll put like a mic on a table and just lay it down in the middle of everybody. That's not how audio works. I will say. I'm just saying. That's, kinda, that's the nature of playing road games, though, no matter yeah, what sport you, you're, you play. You're Tell at you their mercy to an extent. Brent Venables in Oklahoma, they go up to Lawrence. They're doing post game in a closet. Yeah. They go yeah. to Iowa State, same deal. They go to Kansas State, same deal. Go out to Texas Tech. What was Craig James' kid's name? Uh, Adam. Adam. Texas Tech, he's doing post game at a card table in the Adam James room. Really? In the Adam James shed? Yes. Really? Yes. Have they named that the Adam James shed? I don't know. I didn't see a plaque or anything, hmm. but that's the informal moniker that we've slapped on it. Apparently, Craig James was a big helicopter dad. No doubt. I can believe that. Eric Dickerson was the better part of the Pony Express. Not even close. Craig James was a good, solid player, but Eric Dickerson was one of the best of all time and nearly came to the University of Oklahoma. But SMU, uh, they got the early lead on NIL back in the day and paid for it. But uh, Sealy, Texas for Eric Dickerson, one of the greatest running backs of all time and the cool goggles that could have been in a Sooner uniform. Could have very well been in a Sooner uniform. They were very close. All right, we want to thank our friends at Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you. We've got another hour ahead, a lot more Sooner football on the way. We'll preview the Thunder playoff play-in game with New Orleans tonight with our friend Brandon Rabar, the best in the business, coming up as well. Keep it right here. We're going to be here. Don't you go anywhere. We're coming right back. All right, let's open the door on hour number two, folks. I'm one of them. I'm Mike Steely along with Parker Thune. It is Steelman and Thune at noon, well past noon, into the 1 o'clock hour here on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Great to have you along uh, with us today. And uh, Brandon Rabar is going to join us at 135. Thunder in action tonight. Play-in, playoff matchup with the New Orleans Pelicans, 8.30 on ESPN. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But we start where we almost always start. Sooner football, spring football rolls on. Uh, A week from this Saturday will be the spring game on the 22nd. We will have that covered for you pre- and post-game right here on The Ref. Hour number two, also brought to you by... The Seth Wadley Auto Group right there in Paul's Valley, exit 72, cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles. You're looking for them. They have them, and they have a great guarantee after the sale. Oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That is Seth's personal guarantee. I can never say that. That is Seth's per- That is the Seth Wadley. There are too many S's in there. That is the Seth Wadley personal guarantee to you. Okay, uh, the news yesterday on the recruiting front, we talked about it yesterday when it emerged. The story started leaking out that Peyton Pierce, the top linebacker target right there, of course. We know that Sammy Brown is as well, and he's the number one rated linebacker in this class. But Clemson is leading. He's got ties to Georgia. But the Sooners are in the hunt there. At least they're in the hunt. But everybody thought eventually Peyton Pierce would wind up 
wearing crimson and cream for the Sooners. And that still could happen. This is a commitment. But right now he's pledged to the scarlet and gray at Ohio State. This is Peyton Pierce talking about uh, his decision and his announcement yesterday to commit to the Buckeyes. It's it's felt great to, you know, finally get it over with. And it's uh, it was a long, long journey, but we're here now. And so I'm I'm super glad and thankful for it. And it, it feels really good. Now I can go focus on my teammates and focus on spring ball and what's really important. And I knew when I was there that was where I wanted to go, but I was going to I was going to go check out all these other schools just to double check and, you know, make sure that that's what I wanted to do. And it's my I thought my timeline was going to go all the way into the summer. And I, I just I started sitting down and realizing, like, what am I doing? This is why would I why would I waste all this time when I know this is where I want to go? All right, that is Peyton Pierce talking about his decision to commit to Ohio State. We talked about how surprising this was, Parker. Uh, I guess this was was just a major great job of recruiting by James Laurinaitis, the the lead recruiter here for the Buckeyes. Yeah, it was, and sometimes this happens, Steely. Sometimes on the recruiting trail you just lose a battle, and Oklahoma just lost a battle. Brent Venables was going hard after Peyton Pierce, as was James Skalski, as was Ted Roof. Miguel Chavis was involved. But in the end, Ohio State was just what Peyton knew he wanted. And this is a kid, this is one of my favorite kids that I've ever covered. I'll say that much. He's a very honest, very transparent, very straightforward, no nonsense type of kid. He's going to be exceedingly successful at the next level. But this is a decision that he did not make out of sheer emotion he put a lot of thought into this call and you know that when he decided to make the call early it was because he was 100 percent convinced that ohio state is where he wanted to be so i unless something goes awry and we've seen that happen for ohio state before i.e dylan riola right unless they piss peyton pierce off somehow probably not getting him back if he does flip though he'll flip for oklahoma you know, uh, let's say this was two weeks ago, and we were talking about Aaron Flowers and Peyton Pierce. Now, again, remember what we thought, that Mule Shoe was going to get the Aaron Flowers commitment, and then the Oregon Ducks come waddling in with their NIL money, and Aaron Flowers, the safety from Texas, commits to uh, Oregon last Friday. Uh, Peyton Pierce, this thing, we, we had no idea that he was going to make this decision this early. And as he said, you know, he, he thought his, um, his commitment or his recruitment was going to last a lot longer. But two weeks ago, if we would have said, you know what, OU's going uh, to lose out on Aaron Flowers. And, you know, Peyton Pierce is going to get really hyped up and commit to Ohio State. You probably would have said <laughs> no shot. You probably would have said, "Well, you know what? OU has a great chance to flip both of those commitments before signing day." And right now, the way it's looking, it looks like it would be an upset with either one of those if they're able to flip them. Would you say at this point, the way it's looking? Yeah, I would. I which just... is which is kind of crazy how things can change that quickly. Yeah, but. You also need to understand it's not the end of the road. Uh, and this is, I I think, what's important to preach in such a time as this to fans who don't necessarily follow recruiting uh, beyond surface level, folks that really only pay attention to, okay, who are the crystal balls coming in for and, and such. I think those that delve deeply into recruiting and that are tuned in 
on a much deeper level with all the happenings. Understand that targets will come and go. Guys will rise and fall. Oklahoma will identify other linebackers, and there are going to be plenty of guys that want to come play that position for Brent Venables. And that, I think, what is what is important to reaffirm throughout all of this, is that despite the fact that Peyton Pierce looked like a really high-percentage prospect for Oklahoma's 2024 class, He's far from the only guy that OU had on the linebacker board. They've diversified their array of targets. They're pressing for guys of all different geographical backgrounds. When you look at Jordan Lockhout and Kamori House out of California, Ty Anthony Smith from Texas, Sammy Brown from Georgia, Braden Platt from Washington. So they have contingency plans in place, and they have had those contingency plans in place. They are not. They may be surprised that Peyton Pierce decided to shut things down in favor of Ohio State this quickly, but I can promise you, in that building, they're not reeling over it. It's on to the next. Yeah, and look, why this is uh, not devastating for Oklahoma, but was uh, you know it was was not good news by any means for OU. But Peyton Pierce is ranked as the 15th rated linebacker in this class by 247, and you just mentioned. Um, who are you talking about that's higher in the uh, top ten? Braden, Braden Platt is ranked in the top ten, right? He's ranked higher yeah. than Peyton Pierce. So, you know, if Oklahoma could get that situation going in their favor, there's a kid at least that is ranked by the uh, services as higher than Peyton Pierce. But the, the reason it was hurtful for Sooner fans out there is that you basically thought that Peyton Pierce was not necessarily a lock, but a really, there was a really good chance that you were going to get Peyton Pierce. You're going to have to work hard to get Braden Platt. But you think they have a shot there. They do have a shot, and they've got a real good shot with Jordan Lockhart. Real good shot as well with him. And they're look, they're in it for Sammy Brown. Again, not one you count on, but it kind of reminds me of the Troy Bulls situation. OU came very, very close to swaying Troy Bowles away from Georgia. Didn't end up successful in the end, but I can see them making a similar run at Sammy Brown once official visits roll around. So we will see how it all unfolds. And from the 430, here's a good text. It's better to lose commitments now rather than December. True that. Absolutely. Absolutely. 405 651 3439. 405 651 3439. All right, speaking of the Sooner defense, the other day Jonah Laulu uh, met with the media out at spring practice, and there is a change is going to come. Sam Cook saying about it, and uh, the Sooners are making that move with Jonah Laulu uh, as he is moving inside, and he talked about uh, playing in a different position. I mean, we kind of talked about it actually last season going into when we were in fall camp. Uh, Coach Chave and Coach Bates kind of talked to me up and said, you know, when we do, when I'm kind of inside or doing inside movements, they said I, I look a little bit more comfortable than on the edge. So, like, they're saying, you know, next year maybe, you know, you could try, we'll try putting you inside. And, you know, I, I agreed with them. I, you know, I, I could see what they are talking about. And so, you know, I'm just trying to do whatever I can, you know, to help better this team. So if I have to move inside, that's no problem. The first day we had came back from Christmas break, and then they were like, all right, Jonah, we making the move. And I was like, all right, coach. I mean, I was I was already ready for it. I was me and Coach Bates would always, you know, joke around. Every time he'd see me go in like the defensive ends room or anything, he'd joke around and say, he'd be like, you know, he's like, you looking good inside, you know, you know. So 
it, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal to me. I mean, whatever uh, I got to do to you know help make our team our defense better, I'll do it. All right, and the question is, I think when you hear that soundbite, and he made some plays last year, made a few, particularly I thought later in the year, uh, putting on some more pounds and again moving inside. Does that mean that they feel like they've just got more bodies and a lot more options outside now uh, and that they want to move him inside because he can just be a better presence there, particularly with the, uh, the extra weight that he's going to carry? Yeah, and for Laulu, a guy who's a sixth-year senior, and you looked at how crowded the edge room was getting and with guys like R. Mason Thomas and P.J. Adobari really making their presence felt, and with as big as he is, six foot five in the neighborhood at 270, 280, working towards 290, it, it didn't make a ton of sense for him to stay at edge this season because he wasn't going to make much of a productive dent. But you look at the interior, on the other hand, it's not at all clear who's going to start at those positions for Oklahoma. They have numbers there. They've got Jacob Lacey. They've got Devon mm-hmm. Sears. They've got Kelvin Gilliam and Corey Roberson and Isaiah Coe and so on and so forth. But none of those guys has emerged as the clear front runner to start at that position. And so I think for Jonah Laulu, it's, well, it's a business decision more so than anything else. And I think that's the lens through which the Oklahoma coaching staff sees it as well. Is Look, if we're going to get meaningful football out of this guy – there's a, there's much greater odds that that comes at defensive tackle than it does at defensive end because we've got five, six other defensive ends right now that are plug-and-play and that are probably higher than him on the depth chart. True. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see if he can make his presence felt there. And uh, Todd Bates was talking about Jacob Lacey yesterday, the kid from Notre Dame that came through the portal, and saying, that, man, he's a, he's a real technician there. And uh, they think that he can make some plays for him. They've got to get clearly better there. They've got to get better everywhere on defense. There's no doubt about it, and I think they will be. All right, 405-651-3439. Let's take a quick break right here. we got a ton of texts rolling in. We'll get to as many as we can in the next segment. But, yeah, talking about some of the names that you mentioned, Jordan Lockhart is the kid from California you mentioned, and um, Michael Boganowski. And you talked about, again, the kid from Washington, Braden Platt. There are still linebackers out there for OU, and guess what? The young linebackers look like they might be pretty darn good. Stay with us here on The Ref. Wednesday edition, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, Thunder in New Orleans tonight, 8.30 Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. Oklahoma City wins. They would play at the T-Wolves, who lost in overtime to the Lakers late last night. And uh, Rudy Gobert, you would think, obviously would be back. Uh, That would be 8.30 Friday night on ESPN if the Thunder wins tonight. Oklahoma City obviously must win, too. We'll talk to Brandon Rabar, Mr. Thunder, coming up in our next segment on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Right now, it's all about your texts, 405-651-3439. Let's get to as many of those as we can. Appreciate you guys just keeping that text line moving all the time. Thank you. Hey, guys, what's the report on Ethan Downs? The report is he looks very muscled up. He looked muscled up last year, too. But uh, I still think there's a lot of potential with Ethan Downs. He didn't have a horrible season last year, but didn't live up to expectations. So I think you'll see Ethan Downs starting out the season at DN, don't you? Yes, I do. And I was just randomly thinking the other day because – 
and we run into it on the text line all the time. There seems to be so many. There seems to be a, a rather sizable contingent of the fan base and, and folks on the text line that are hypercritical of Ethan Downs. And I have no idea why that is. Because of all the bones to pick with the guys that started among the 11, uh, the cast of 11 characters on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma last year, Ethan Downs was far from the worst of them. In fact, he was second team All Big 12. So I, the fact that maybe he, of the, all people. The expectations were so high for Ethan Downs, but I agree. There's been too much slander. He's got to have a better season, but you're right. It's not like he was horrible. And I think the kid has a lot of talent. I do. Still. I just look, I love Ethan Downs. I've gotten the chance to know him and his family very well over the last few years. And he's an awesome kid, stand up character. There's a reason he was already a team captain as a sophomore. Right. right? And so you, you can knock that kid for a lot of things. Uh, his character and his work ethic, certainly not one of them. And moreover, I just. I continually fail to see how a kid who was second team all Big 12 last year on a defense that on the whole was not good at all continues to get singled out by some folks. But, you know, I I can't make everything make sense, Steely. Uh, Ethan Downs, how many career sacks does he have? Asks a listener in the 918. Oh, gosh, I want to say he had four or five last year. And I think he had a couple as a freshman. You'd have to go ahead and Google it up. I mean, Who led OU in sacks last year? Was it Reggie Grimes with four and a half? Reggie Grimes had like those in like the first five games. Didn't OU he? did not have a <laughs> – gosh, OU did not have a sack guy last year. And that, I think, was certainly to their detriment because you think about Oklahoma's defense in years past, and that's really been one of the things that's been consistent, whether it's Obo Okoronkwo or Nick Benito or what have you, there's always been a guy that can get after it on the edge. And I think Oklahoma has several of those guys on the roster right now. I look at R. Mason Thomas as the guy that's going to be that for OU in 2023, but that player was noticeably absent in 2022 because he didn't really have a true speed rusher, at least not one that was fully ready. Sure, R. Mason Thomas was on the roster, but your starting defensive ends were – Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes. Those are big-bodied dudes. P.J. Anabare, that is a guy. Yes, that Lord. Could, yes, and amen. Make, could make a few sacks, even as a true freshman, maybe more than a few. All right. Uh, somebody keeps asking about, man, are you still firm on your crystal ball with Nigel Smith? Yes. Right now, yes, I am. Uh, I know folks saw his, uh, his response to Peyton Pierce's commitment last night, and they're worried about Ohio State. I I still feel confident that OU is the leader in the clubhouse right now for Nigel Smith. That is not to say that things can't change once official visits roll around, but I wouldn't worry about Nigel Smith committing out of the blue to the Buckeyes the way that Peyton Pierce did. Ah, Travis Davidson on the text line says, In his first season as a starter, Ethan Downs was a captain and second-team all-conference. What are we doing here? Kendall says, Maybe it's time to have an Ethan Downs positivity hour. I don't think we're quite to that point, Kendall, but we're getting close. From the 402, has OU and Eddie Pierre-Louis cooled off or just going in a different direction? There hasn't been traction there in quite a while. Uh, I do not expect him to end up in the class. I expect him to stay somewhere relatively local down there in SEC territory. Four-star lineman, native of Tampa. Um, From the 405... Uh, with regard to the Peyton Pierce conversation, 
You're not mentioning all the guys ahead of him. Canick and McKenzie with Omasigo and Lewis Carter. Where would Peyton Pierce fit? And again, we go back to the fact that it's going to be a light class at linebacker for Oklahoma. That's because, well, they don't have any seniors on the roster at linebacker. Mm. Everybody in that room right now could come back next year if they wanted to. Now, realistically, you probably lose a guy, maybe two to the transfer portal, and maybe Danny Stutzman decides to make the jump to the next level, but you're recruiting for spots that don't exist yet right now and that might not exist. Right. And you said two linebacker offers would be your guess. And look, the thing is, though, the great players, the great linebackers, even in high school, you know, if you had guys ahead of you, you think Brian Bosworth thought about that when he committed to OU or – I get it. They've got uh, a lot of potential there. There is no doubt, and maybe that did factor into his decision, but we'll see. Sam in Tulsa says, I sent this to Toby this morning, but I'll send it again. Gentlemen, it's fun to look ahead to the football season and relish the softball success, but I feel we are ignoring the fact that this is the most critical couple months OU hoops has dealt with in years. What's going to happen? Isn't that the million-dollar question, Sam yes. in Tulsa? I mean, You'd you like to get a transfer on board and get the ball rolling. Here get that J.B. and McCullough kid, McCollum kid from uh, Siena. He's already visited. So, yeah, I mean, look, we said it the other day. We, we've addressed it that this is as low as I, I've seen it for OU basketball in a long, long time. And Porter Moser, again, I think was a good hire. But – the landscape has changed in college basketball. With the turnover in college basketball, I mean, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable uh, how quickly things can turn. So they've got to have major success in the portal. Uh, you know, the, the bottom line is, think about the Big 12's a pretty darn good conference, and guess who they're adding? Houston, you know, uh, coming up. And uh, y- you just think about what it looks like. It's it's a murky situation, man. It uh, it doesn't look very good right now. They've got to get some help in the portal, and they, you know, if they don't, Porter is uh, Porter's going to be in some trouble. I think both he and Mike Boynton crucial years for them coming up. And I never thought I would say that because I'm a Porter Moser fan, but so far you can't say it's been anything but a disappointment. Steely, who you got tonight? The Thunder or the Pelicans? That's from the 580. <sighs> I I'm gonna go I'm gonna be optimistic and go with Oklahoma City. Now the one thing you're gonna watch tonight is the Pelicans. They will try and get the ball out of SGA's hands as quickly as possible or Josh Giddy. They try and, you know, uh trap and come after those guys immediately. They wanna get the ball out of the hands of your playmakers. So the Thunder has to make good decisions with the basketball uh and and really execute tonight because they, as much as anybody, gave uh, SGA some issues. So, But I like, you know, I, I'm curious to see what J-Dub does like tonight. J-Dub has been, you know, besides Paulo Bancaro, the best rookie in the NBA, and he's right there close. I think Bancaro's going to win it, but J-Dub has been a unbelievable draft pick. I want to see how he plays tonight because he has risen uh, – up and uh, been so good in many big moments for this team. I'm curious to see how he plays and some of the other guys play tonight. Ty from Bartlesville says, when you said yesterday that things were heating up with Devon Mitchell and OU, did you mean you think he's maybe committing earlier than you thought? Uh, okay, well, let me let me break it down like this. I said earlier in the week, and I, I guess I've said for a while now, that I expect the reclassification news Uh, Well, not news, but I I expected the reclassification process to be complete by May, 
you're probably not going to hear news of that, and it's not going to be confirmed in the public eye until late summer, probably August, when he starts his what would be his final semester of high school. Um, I think he could be committed to Oklahoma before the news of his reclassification goes public, i.e. before August. That's how I'm looking at things right now. There you go, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Somebody was asking about the uh, the player from Pitt who visited OU and the basketball porter, John Hugley. Is it Hugley or Hugley? Hugley. John Hugley. He's got a lot of offers out there, but Oklahoma's very much in the mix uh, for this kid. So that is a name to keep your eye on. And, of course, we also talked about yesterday, uh, Javian McCollum, the uh, – the kid from Siena, whose stats look pretty good. And, again, at Siena, yes, but, uh, man, that would be a good get for Oklahoma, and he recently visited as well. John Hugley. Okay, uh, we need to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll preview the Thunder matchup with the Pelicans tonight with our friend Brandon Rabar. Then we're going to get to as many texts as we can before we round out this hour. want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great selection, great deals, great service. Seth Wadley and the guarantee, oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Mr. Mojo Rising, going to take us into the break. Stay with us. I don't know if he is a Mr. Thunder now. That is still Nick Collison to many. But he is now Mr. Thunder Twitter, that's for sure. Brandon Rabar joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Brandon, here we go. This is this is playoff basketball tonight. Despite, oh, well, it's not really in the playoffs. It's playoff basketball, all right? It's playoff basketball. Give me your thoughts. Uh, Zion out tonight. Oklahoma City was 1-3 and three against the uh, Pelicans during the regular season. Uh, we know that they uh, they try and get the ball out of SGA's hands as soon as possible. Same thing with Josh Giddy. They don't want the ball handlers dictating the offensive flow, so they've got a, a you know a defensive approach that can be uh, difficult. But what are your thoughts on this matchup for OKC tonight? Yeah, first off, this is – playoff basketball if you watch those two playing games last night just ask the lakers the wolves the heat and the uh hawks if that was playoff basketball i'm excited about tonight look the uh, pelicans have a really good defense they have an average offense but their defense uh especially predicated by herb jones um is really really good and they've got a lot of scores brandon ingram cj mccollum uh Valentinus, I think, is the guy that you've got to watch if you're a Thunder fan because the one thing that the Thunder lack with Chet Holmgren out all year is size down low. Valentinus is a true seven-footer. You know, are they going to double-team him? Are they going to swarm him? Is that going to leave open the three-point shooters like Trey Murphy and C.J. McCollum? Uh, are they going to let Jay Will or, or Sarge go one-on-one with them? Or do they go small ball? The Pelicans have a hard time defending small ball, and the Thunder have the personnel to go small. So I think for me, those are kind of the keys to the game. I'm, I'm really hoping uh, that Dagnall elects to go small and see how they do with that. Now, Brandon, we had you on the air last week, and I asked you, who do you want to see the Thunder matched up with in the playing game if you could pick your opponent? And you said the New Orleans Pelicans. So, congrats. You <laughs> claim your prize. Not only did you uh, – 
correctly predict the Thunder's opponent, but it's also the opponent that you think they're best equipped to go and beat. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but I do want to ask you, you mentioned Mark Dagnalt. How would you evaluate the job that he has done? Obviously, Sam Presti gets a lot of love. Shea Gilders-Alexander gets a lot of love being this team's star player. But how would you evaluate the job that Mark Dagnall has done in his short tenure to this point as Oklahoma's head basketball coach? Oklahoma City's, excuse me. Yeah, no, I think he's done great. I mean, they've exceeded expectations each of the last few years. You know, everybody talks about the tank the last couple of years. Well, they had to shut guys down because they were performing above expectations. Uh, they were in that weird middle ground where they might not get a top draft pick. You know, they ended up getting Chet Holmgren, so it worked out. Uh, and then this year, you know, Vegas, after Chet Holmgren got hurt, Vegas predicted that the Thunder would tie with the Rockets and end up with the worst record in the NBA with 23.5 wins. They ended up with 40 wins this season. Now, a lot of that is SGA. A lot of that is Jalen Williams, Isaiah Joe, Josh Giddy. But if you look at their development, if you look at how every role player is bought in, how they play team defense, uh, and when you look at exceeding expectations, you've got to tip your hat and say, hey, some of that, maybe even a lot of that, is coaching as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I know that Mike Brown in Sacramento is getting a ton of attention. But, man, the job that Mark Dagnall has done has been unbelievable. I think he's really, really good. And I know there was a kind of a prevailing thought out there. Well, once Oklahoma City really gets rolling and they're back among the contenders, maybe Mark Dagnall shoved aside. Hey, thanks for all you did developing this roster. I think the vast majority of Thunder fans would tell you, keep this guy because he's got it going on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's crazy to say, you know, because Scott Brooks took a team to the finals and a couple Western Conference finals. Billy Donovan took a team to the Western Conference finals. But what we've seen with Mark Dagnold with this rebuilding Thunder team has been really, really impressive. Uh, I'm not ready to say he's a better coach than those two guys after what they accomplished. But when you look at what he's accomplished, given the expectations, it's it's been wild. I, I honestly think he'll he'll finish second or third in Coach of the Year this year. Uh, and deservedly so. This team is completely bought in uh, by Mark Dagnall. Brandon, obviously it doesn't come down to a single factor when you're talking about playoff basketball and these games that can go either way, especially between, between two teams as evenly matched as the Thunder and the Pelicans. But let me ask you this. If Oklahoma City wins tonight, they're going to have to have and or get what? Like going, oh, what are they going to have to get to win tonight? I, I think that they'll have to get three-point shooting from Lou Dort. You know, he's been really up and down as far as three-point shooting goes. Shot 33% on the year. You know, he'll have games where he shoots five for seven from three. He'll have games where he shoots 0 for seven from three. They need him to hit tonight. They need Isaiah Joe to have one of those clutch Isaiah nights. Look, SGA is going to get his 30 points. Jalen Williams, he's been solid every single game. He scores efficiently. I think we can rely on that. Uh, Josh Giddy has been really good. I, I want to see the other guys, the Lou Dortz, Isaiah Joes, Jay Wills, uh, Aaron Wiggins, those guys step up because I think that the, the Thunder young core of SGA, J-Dub, and Giddy, I think they'll be really good tonight. 
Brandon Rabar, our guest on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. You know what's interesting, Brandon? Uh, when this season began, we were wondering, all right, is, is Oklahoma City going to get involved in the Victor Wimbanyama sweepstakes or not? And I think it was pretty evident early that they were not. And again, even if you get in a great position and you fully tank, you, there's no guarantee you're going to get the best prospect to come around since LeBron James. It seems to me they played this pretty perfectly this year. Because, let's face it, one of the things – that you need your fan base to believe in is that you're going in the right direction. And I know the tanking, you know, but Oklahoma City basketball fans have been a little bit spoiled. There's been some heartbreak. Game six, obviously, against Golden State, KD uh, leaving, you know, uh, Patrick Beverly and the Russell Westbrook situation, or Oklahoma City may have had a championship. But I think, you know, we saw the, the crowds thin out. You still have a good, loyal fan base there, but let's face it, it thinned out a little bit. But this year, they showed the fans again that, you know what, we're, we're moving in the right direction. You go out, you win 16 more games than Vegas projected you to win. So there's a good feeling right now with Thunder basketball again. And I think there's a feeling out there that fans can see that, you know what, it's the rebuilding, the way Sam Presti's gone about it worked. Now the next steps are becoming a championship contender again. And with Chet Holmgren next year, I mean, who knows, Oklahoma City might get a four seed next year you know it, yeah there's just a good feeling out there oh absolutely it is and i think that you saw it you know in the crowds they, they got better as the season went on and i think people realized hey this team is is building this team is getting better there's some excitement brewing and the crowds got better as the season went on which was encouraging to see look this is the youngest team in the nba they made the play in uh if they were to make the playoffs they'd obviously be the youngest team to ever make playoffs because they're the second youngest team of all time uh, they are way ahead of schedule. They have a player in SGA uh, who might finish top five in MVP voting, probably going to finish first team All-NBA. They have a rookie, Jalen Williams, who's going to finish number two in rookie of the year voting. Josh Giddy has been incredible as a sophomore. And then you got the number two pick from this year, Chet Holmgren, coming back next year. All these guys, most of them can't even buy beer yet, Mike. And they're, they're in the play-in. The, the future is incredibly bright. For the Thunder, and either they make it to the playoffs or they make the play-in and they end up with another high lottery pick this year that's going to add to this young core. So a lot of excitement ahead for the Thunder. No doubt. And, uh, look, tonight's icing on the cake, and we're all hoping for yep. the icing, right? And we're hoping for a win tonight in uh, the Smoothie King Center, and then we're hoping to go to uh, Minnesota and get that win as well. And then uh, on to the Nuggets in the uh, in the first round, which would be really cool. But, like I said, this has been a, a hugely successful season for Thunder basketball based on where they had been the previous two years. I think everybody has to feel pretty good about it. Brandon, thank you. We will uh, talk again. Uh, we may do it Friday uh, if we've got Oklahoma City playing uh, at the T-Wolves Friday. Yep, sounds good. Brandon Appreciate Rebar. it, Mike. Appreciate it, Parker. Thank you, Brandon. We appreciate you. All right, Riverwind Casino. You know what Riverwind's all about. Over 2,800 electronic games. They have the best games, the best promotions, the best bars and dining. They have an incredible hotel. If you've ever been in the hotel, it's amazing, man. It's really nice attached to the casino. So, uh, you know, go out, spend a weekend at Riverwind, man. You can go there and win. They gave over $35 million worth of jackpots away last month, and uh, people are still winning. So Riverwind, with these promotions they have, like the 30K Nest Egg Winnings promotion, which is going on right now, be thinking about playing with your wild card wherever you're out there, whenever you're out there. 
And on Saturday, April 22nd, they will have another random hot seat drawing every half hour beginning at 2 o'clock, lasting to 9.30. Winners who hear their name called, play with your wild card, have your wild card in those machines and have it on you, you're going to win $400 in cash. And then 10 o'clock, two grand prize winners will win at least $1,200 in cash, plus any unclaimed preliminary cash amounts that they call a patron's name. That patron doesn't uh, come up and collect the cash. That goes in that fund, and uh, you can win more. And They will definitely be winning more than $1,200 in cash. But the new Member 7 program, if you don't have a wild card, is big time as well. You can earn up to $450 in one day by signing up for a Riverwind wild card. It won't cost you a thing, and you can win a lot of promotions. And like I said, Said, hear your name called in a lot of these contests if you're out there playing. Riverwind Casino, simply the best in the business. There is no doubt. Appreciate Justin and Colin, Reed, and the whole crew over there. They are awesome. All right, we are going to get to your texts on the text line as many as we can when we get back. Keep them rolling in. Stay with us here on the ref. Headed down the stretch, we're going to get locked in at 2 o'clock here in about 10 minutes. Parker and Tyler McComas. What else? Sooner football news and recruiting information for a full hour. I know you love that. And we love your text, 405-651-3439. Let's get there. Kendall asks, who are the Thunder? Kendall, don't be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. We'll put you on the hillbilly list. You want to be on the hillbilly list? I think he's kidding, but... You don't want to go on the hillbilly list. Ty from Bartlesville asks, is Josiah Martin interested in OU? Yes, Josiah Martin is quite interested in OU. OU has not offered Josiah Martin yet. For those unfamiliar with him, three-star wide receiver out of Denton Geyer in Texas, mm-hmm. former go-to receiver for Jackson Arnold, holds over 30 scholarship offers to date, including Alabama, whom he just visited. Alabama! OU will be personally evaluating Martin later this month, and an offer could follow. But as of right now, he does not have the Oklahoma offer. Uh, The Sooners with two commitments right now, two of them, Michael Hawkins and Jeremiah Newcomb, which currently puts Oklahoma 51st in the uh, 247 rankings. You know who's number 50? Who's that? Texas. Ah! Two commitments. You know who's number 48? Oklahoma State with four commitments. It's all math, folks. It's all math. When you have two uh, commits, again, that uh, are four stars, you know, and uh, what Georgia has, I think Georgia has like 10 already, don't they? 12 commitments for Georgia. The Ohio State University has 10, Michigan 11, LSU has 12. Keep in mind, we said this last year as well. I know, Kendall. I know you're kidding. But um, we said that OU, because of their recruiting approach and their philosophy, if you're committed, you're committed, no other visits, that the Sooners are running a marathon, not a sprint here. And people kind of panicked a little bit last year. They ended up with a number four class in the country. Steel Man, this comes from the 405. I'm sitting in line at the drive-thru at Sonic with someone in front of me who ordered food. This sucks. You know what? You could perform a citizen's arrest like Barney Fife did on the Andy <laughs> Griffith show. Citizen's arrest. Oh, Barney Fife. And then Gomer inter- uh, turned around and performed a citizen's arrest on Barney. Same episode. This is a- 
What a great show that was. Jim in Arlington wants to know, does Michael Hawkins have any wide receivers back at Allen that could fit at OU? Uh, no, not particularly. Former tight end, no. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for anybody from the Allen contingent that would be a fit at OU, how about the former five-star Allen tight end who's now at Los Alamitos in California? That Devon would be Mitchell. Devon yep. Mitchell. And you're feeling really good about Devon Mitchell. You know why he went to Los Alamitos, right? I don't know. Because old Mule Shoe thought he could poach him. Mm. Needless to say, that does not appear as though it will be the case. So, wait a minute, though. That concerns me because he bought in, at least temporarily, to the Mule Shoe BS. Well, you also have to keep in mind... Los Alamitos is one of the most loaded high school football programs mm-hmm. in the country. Right. And if you go out of state, you don't have to deal with the UIL BS. Right. Trying to transfer to another school within the state of Texas. With everything that Michael Hawkins went through, I was not at all shocked to see Devon Mitchell go to a different high school out of state. What happened to the Allen program, by the way? I mean, it's not like they're just horrible, but like we said, this is not Kyler Murray's Allen Eagles. No. No, not by a long shot. You don't have the elite coaching there that you used to have. Uh, Got a lot of other schools in the immediate vicinity that have risen to Allen's level when it comes to being able to assemble talent. Because, you know, it used to be, for example, Peyton Pierce, right? Peyton Pierce played his freshman year at Allen and then transferred to Lovejoy. There are plenty of other new schools like that in the immediate vicinity that give guys an opportunity to play early in the process, and that can be the difference between enrolling at this school and enrolling at Allen. So Wait the a playing field now. has leveled. Did you say uh, Pierce went to Lovejoy High School? Yes, that's Because right. that sounds like a liberal place to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe he should just go on ahead and go to the Buckeyes. 405-651-3439. From the 402. Who has the higher ceiling, Isaiah McMorris or Josiah Martin? Seems like they're similar wide receivers, and they are. Um, Higher ceiling, that's tough to gauge. I think, gosh, it's tough because they're, they're very similar players, as you mentioned, and they're on similar levels right now. I would give the slight edge to Josiah Martin just because he plays high school football in Texas, man. The competition that he's facing week in and week out throughout the fall, and I say this as a proud Nebraska native, right? The competition you're facing in the state of Texas on the prep circuit is leaps and bounds better than the competition you're facing in Nebraska. Yeah. So Isaiah yeah. McMorris is really, really good. I just trust that Josiah Martin's a guy that's going to be able to step onto a college uh, campus day one and make more of an immediate impact than Isaiah McMorris. What kind of impact do you think that uh, Malachi Coleman will have next fall? At Nebraska? <laughs> I'd rather not talk about that. <laughs> oh, hmm. If that kid turns out to be really good, gosh, that's going to that's gonna need a chapter in my autobiography. One We're going to need a, a weekly Malachi Coleman update. I think is what we're going to need. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. All right. I uh, want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. They are awesome. Thank you for sponsoring our second hour. Uh, Exit 72 right there in Paul's Valley. And, of course, our friends at the one and only Riverwind Casinos. We, uh, casino we have. Um, shows coming back to the Showplace Theater, which is going to be awesome. We're talking about 
Take it away. Hang on. Whoa. Allergies. Whoa. Allergies again. Steely just, uh, the voice just went completely kaput. He's got a body armor at his right hand, though. So Holy cow. It's so weird that, that it just comes out of nowhere. I, I guess I'm dealing with some major allergies right now. But we want to thank our friends at Riverwind as well. Can't wait to see the shows back at the Showplace Theater. Earth, Wind, and Fire in June will be awesome. What's your favorite Earth, Wind, and Fire tune? Let's go. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very well versed in Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's the way of the world. That's the name of a song, by the way, and it's a really good one, too. Yeah, a bunch of good ones. All right, man, the voice. I need a lozenge quickly. Stay tuned. We're going to get locked in up next here on The Ref.